0: Gotta be free the way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn U.S. Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer, but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in guns. All the unions always ask for more Buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real help pay. I've got to be free. Damn
1: you, when hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever so humble and you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And glad to be coming to you live as uh, obviously over the course of the weekend, lots of bad, bad weather in this neck of the woods. In fact, uh, some of our neighbors here in Tennessee, uh, a lot of our neighbors uh, a little further to the north through uh, Kentucky, uh, some of our friends up towards Illinois and Indiana, uh, some folks in Missouri, uh, they got a, well, it's hard to describe it as anything other than a disaster of uh, tornadoes, thunderstorms, just horrific weather. It's claimed many lives unfortunately. It's caused a lot of damage and it is just you know there's no two ways to put it. It is a disaster period. So for our friends and neighbors uh, those of us nearby and those of us a little further away uh, just know that here tapping to the truth we are raising you up in our prayers. Uh, Your thoughts uh, our thoughts are on you and your suffering and And it uh, is going to be difficult, but it's not cliche uh, to try to remind you to stay focused on the blessings that you do have in your life. Uh, It doesn't seem appropriate to say that right now if you're somebody who's going through this and it just happened. But uh, if there's any way at all that you can focus on the positive right now, uh, that is going to be the best way to do that That in uh, faith. Uh, that's going to be it. Uh, don't be afraid to lean on your neighbors, though, because that's the one thing that I saw. Uh, I want to give uh, thanks to Ron Edwards, who uh, had me on as a guest earlier today. Evidently, we're going to kind of make it a regular Sunday thing where I'm going to join him. Uh, I was kind of surprised that he's uh, going to to have me on quite that frequently, Uh, but, you know what, I'm certainly honored, and I want to thank him. But we touched on the topic of uh, why it is it seems that certain parts of the country have to deal with this kind of tragedy on a fairly consistent, on a fairly regular basis, and other parts of the country very rarely, if ever, sees this kind of uh, natural disaster or uh, tragedy of this nature. And uh, I, I took the the opportunity to point out to uh, Ron's listeners that I think there is a reason why it continues to happen uh, in the heartland and uh, that's to remind us of number one what is most important in our life and number two of what makes the United States a different place to live than literally anywhere else in the world and it has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of people got up this morning. Who had lost a lot, maybe, maybe almost everything. But their first thought was to go out and try to help other people, go out and try to help their friends, their neighbors, other people in their communities who had been affected in the same way or maybe even somewhat worse. They put their own troubles aside to go help their friends, their neighbors, their family. That is part of what makes the United States different. And it's not to say that there aren't charitable people in other parts of the world. It's not to say that there aren't those folks in other countries, especially countries with similar value sets that don't go out and try to be helpful for their help uh, their fellow man, especially during such a time. But you're never going to see it to the same extent. You're never going to see it to the same level as what you see in the heartland of the United States. That is, it's part of what's ingrained in our DNA as Americans. And I know I use that phraseology quite a bit when it comes to do with individual liberty. I use that phraseology a lot when it comes to uh, individual freedoms and uh, the the striving for that rugged individualism that is hardwired into the American conscious, even despite the left's best efforts to to try to root it out, to try and bring out the worst in humanity, to try and uh, have us embrace socialism and uh, laziness, and ultimately the total decay of the human spirit. Your job is not yet complete, leftists. We saw in the actions of these folks who got up immediately, and we've seen in the actions of those of us like myself who were lucky enough to be outside of where the danger zone was, we see it in the actions of people who got up this morning and immediately went to go try to help clean up, or got up this morning and immediately started pulling together uh, supplies and things that these communities were going to need. It's not something to be taken lightly. It is one of those things that we should, once again, be grateful for, that, that that spirit still exists, that it is still predominant in this country. We are very fortunate, we are indeed blessed to be living in the United States of America, not because of her government, but in many cases, despite her government. Not because we have a church on every corner here in the Bible Belt, but because we have people of faith that regardless of what the church is doing, understands what the true calling to help your fellow man is. And we are truly blessed to have one another. So thank you so very much, every one of you that got involved. Thank you so very much, every single one of you that got up and said, I have to do something, and then did it. No matter how small the token may have been, no matter how many other people were required for you to complete your task, thank you for caring enough to take action. And like I said, for those of you directly affected by this tragedy, know that uh, you're in our hearts, you're on our minds, and that there are prayers going up on your behalf, as well as action being taken. Your friends, your neighbors, we are here for you. And if we haven't already brought you something that fulfills the need that you have, please do not hesitate to ask. We are here for you. Welcome to America. Alright, with all that having been said, it's also important to remind everyone that uh, political news does not take a break, even in the midst of tragedy. In fact, oftentimes, uh, more often than not, I should say, such tragedies bring political stories to the forefront. We will see people try to take advantage of the scenario, to try to push their agenda because of scenarios such as this. But, we will also see people rise up and and push against other things that are occurring. See, there are some people that just can't help themselves, and I tend to think the Democratic politicians, the leftists in the great state of California, fall into that category. They have a really hard time just letting things go. I mean, granted, uh, never let a uh, never let a disaster go to waste. Never let Uh, Any good opportunity go to waste. Uh, That's clearly the philosophy. But in some cases, uh, these disasters are strictly disasters in the minds of other leftists. Sometimes we can talk about, I don't know, a little thing like the Supreme Court saying that they're going to allow Texas to continue to implement their heartbeat law at least until All legal wrangling can be completed. They're not going to stay the law until all the arguments are heard. They're going to let them actually pursue it. They're going to be saving lives is what they're going to be doing. But leftists being leftists, they can't help themselves. They have to go on the assault or on the attack. And Gavin Newsom, who's filling his oats after having bounced back from the recall efforts just a few short months ago... He decides he has to take a stand. So Newsom is now promising to use Texas abortion law precedent to restrict guns. Oh yes, Democrats and their gun control. So the California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom released a statement this past Saturday. Oh yeah, and by the way, the time of the live broadcast is on Sunday. It's December 12th. 2021. I'll throw that out there for the fine folks that are listening to the rebroadcast places like KYAH Utah's Talk Authority and uh, uh, places like uh, KCCG in Hugo, Oklahoma who's joined the Tap into the Truth broadcast family just this past week. Thank you guys for being part of the listening audience. So when I say this past Saturday, that was literally yesterday from the time of the live broadcast. So, Gavin, He's upset he released a statement concerning the outrage over the Supreme Court's decision to allow a ban on most abortion services in Texas and claiming that he plans to create a similar bill against assault weapons and ghost guns. I'm going to stop you right there, Gavin. I don't think you need to ban assault weapons or ghost guns. And I'll tell you why. First and foremost... You don't have an assault weapons problem. Uh, Assault weapons are something that I think most people tend to agree is defined as military-grade full automatic weaponry, right? Can we agree on that? I mean, it's still not a great definition. It's a word that, when put together, assault and weapon, they don't really have the same meaning, do they? They... They're kind of an oxymoron to a certain degree. But when you put them together, they sound scary. And so they are scary. uh, At least if you're one of these individuals. I'm going to try to be polite. In the interest of, uh, you know, uh, trying to foster goodwill towards men. uh, still celebrating the Christmas season and all. So the ghost gun thing... That's kind of a joke. There are very few ghost guns. In fact, depending on your definition of ghost gun, there may not be any. It may be something that just doesn't exist, depending on your definition. Now, if you're going to use the definition of a weapon that you build yourself, therefore there is no record of you having it, you want to call that a ghost gun, then yeah, there's a few, but that's still typically something that's Uh, done by uh, collectors who are trying to build a replica of an extremely rare firearm. One that you would not use in the commission of a crime, violent or otherwise, because, well, that would only take away from the nature of having built this gun in the first place. The nature of a collector having done this. There's not a way to build a whole lot of these weapons that would actually make it worthwhile, worth the energy involved, worth all the effort going into building them in order to make these things something that's dangerous on the streets and part of violent crime everywhere. It's just, it's nonsensical. But it sounds scary. And so the left keeps pushing it. So no surprise that Gavin wants to uh, make efforts to to stop the assault weapons and the ghost guns when, in truth, what he wants to do is push stuff that's going to stop all firearms uh, from being in the hands of law-abiding citizens. It's just the scary-sounding terms is how you make the attack. Now, uh, quoting from Overlord Newsom, quote... I am outraged by yesterday's U.S. Supreme Court decision allowing Texas's ban on most abortion services to remain in place, and largely endorsing Texas's scheme to insulate its law from the fundamental protections of Roe v. Wade. So okay, not real sure exactly what protections we're talking about here. I mean, we are already, and I've been saying this for a while now, in a post-Roe v. Wade world anyway. We have been since New York passed its extremely draconian, up-until-birth abortion law. We have been in a post-Roe v. Wade uh, since Virginia passed their attacks on the preborn laws. They went well beyond everything that is fundamentally laid out as protections and limits. And at the end of the day, this still remains a topic that the Supreme Court, back when Roe v. Wade was heard, should have simply said, "Eh, it's a state issue. We have no jurisdiction. Get it out of the federal courts. Instead of creating some mystical, magical right to privacy that does not exist within the Constitution. It's not in the Constitution. Now, do you have a right to privacy? I think we all should agree that yes, yes, you kind of do. But a much bigger threat than restrictions on abortion to your right to privacy is big tech and their spies everywhere. Hey, Alexa, want to turn off uh, my lights over there? Yes, and would you like to add uh, Pop-Tarts to your uh, grocery list? Uh, No, Alexa, no. Uh, Excuse me, I'm I'm being spied on by Alexa. That's a bigger threat. But, hey, we're okay with that because Alexa's making our life easier, right? Anyway, Newsom went on to say, But if states can now shield their laws from review by the federal courts that compare assault weapons the Swiss Army Knives, then California will use that authority to protect people's lives, where Texas used it to put women in harm's way. Okay, so you're going to protect people's lives how? Because, again, how you define assault weapon is important in this conversation. You're making statements here and you're using scary words but what do you actually mean? We know that you've already done everything you legally can. You have literally turned yourselves into pretzels in the state of California to try to make sure that law-abiding citizens do not have access to firearms. You don't want people to be able to legally defend themselves. And now you're out here boldly reimagining law enforcement. You're boldly reimagining community safety, uh, which I suppose your bold imagination is kind of a snake plus kind of post-apocalypse dystopian future vision. Uh, because you've gotten rid of the cops and you've made things horrible on the streets. Your bold reimagining, uh, you need to just leave that in Hollywood in the form of a screenplay. You need to get back to law and order on the streets of the actual cities within your lovely state. Which I would love to remain lovely. But you're not going to be able to do that following and pursuing the current agenda. The policies that you continue to push forward, especially involving law and order, you're making California, a third world country. And by leaps and bounds, you're getting closer and closer every day. But hey, yeah, let's just say that it's Texas that's putting women in harm's way. How exactly? Now, if a woman finds herself pregnant through no fault of her own, and uh, let's be fair, there's not a whole lot of circumstances that that would be accurate, but let's say... For the sake of argument that that less than 1% of occasion where incest or rape is involved. Less than 1% of occasion where abortions that are performed fall into that category. Let's let's say that's the instance. I think if you take a look at the uh, Texas law, you're going to be okay. Now, California's already determined that it will be a abortion sanctuary. They they've already said this. They're trying to uh, get money put to the side, California taxpayer dollars to help people travel from nearby states where they may be more restrictive on abortions. So they're doing everything they can to make sure that the murder of the pre-born not only continues, but that the sacrifices to Moloch continue. Mullock is getting his uh, his tribute thanks to democrats like Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi. And they're going to make sure that those sacrifices continue because hey, you know, when you make a deal with the devil, uh you have to honor your end, right? Otherwise, all that power goes away before it's time for <laughs> before the devil collects your soul and you definitely don't want that. Put women in harm's way. <laughs> ah, the, the left, continue. I mean, we're going to save people's lives by... but But how? Because you're not concerned about criminals having firearms. And you're not concerned about making ordinarily law-abiding citizens into criminals if they refuse to follow your little law. Knowing... That your bold reimagining of community safety means that they no longer have the police to count on to come help and protect them. So now if somebody wants to take their personal safety under their own auspices, if they want to actually take individual responsibility for their own well-being and the well-being of their families, they want to be prepared to defend themselves in the face of blatant, violent criminality, well, then they have to be criminals too. And heaven help them if they should defend themselves in a fashion that ends up with a would-be criminal no longer breathing. Because if that happens, then guess what? The now criminal, previously law-abiding citizen who was merely committing an act of self-defense is now going to be in severe legal jeopardy because they decided to do what the government which was constituted for the purpose of helping protect the individual's life and property, uh, for doing the job that the government refused to do. One of their primary responsibilities. But, you know, Gavin, Gavin is a great guy, and he's just thinking about all those, those young women who are being denied reproductive health care. Lovely euphemism. I mean, abortion... a euphemism in this case, but reproductive health care, now that's a hell of a euphemism. He's going to do this. Now, Newsom announced that he had instructed his staff to work towards a similar bill against assault weapons and ghost guns. You know, similar to the Texas bill. Uh, Quoting him here now. I have directed my staff to work with the legislature and the attorney general on a bill that would create a right of action allowing private citizens to seek injunctive relief and statutory damages of at least $10,000 per violation plus cost and attorney's fees against anyone who manufactures, distributes, or sells an assault weapon or ghost gun kit or parts in the state of California. If the most efficient way to keep these devastating weapons off our streets is to add the threat of private lawsuits, we should do just that. Now, It's important to note that the fine of $10,000 per violation, that matches the amount listed in the Texas law uh, that went into effect back in September 1st. But I would like to remind everybody, I have heard very few people make this connection. I did uh, mention it uh, on the Ron Edwards American Experience earlier today when I was on with him. Um, This is a lot like how Proposition 65 is enforced in California. Now, Prop 65 is a law that requires, if you have a, a chemical uh, present in the item that you're selling, uh, and it doesn't even matter what kind of item that you're selling, it can literally be anything from a food item to uh, paint sitter, whatever, if you have a chemical within that product that has been deemed to be a carcinogen or may cause harm to uh, reproduction, or healthy reproduction, that you must label that item as being such. You must have on your label, this product contains an item known by the state of California to do this, this, this. And, see, the fun thing about this particular proposition, though, is they meet every year, and they add new chemicals to the list every year. I would imagine at some point they may have taken one or two off in light of new science, although I'm sure that's a very rare thing, and I I don't know of a specific instance where anything's came off. There may not be one. But they add new chemicals every year. But for most of these chemicals, there's no scientific safe harbor level, Uh, and by safe harbor, what we mean is a certain amount that uh, the overwhelming majority of humans can actually consume uh, within X amount of time with no harm being done. And obviously, then there's a trigger point where, okay, now you're over that. Now it becomes dangerous to you. What is that safe harbor level? Most of them don't have one. So... They leave it up to the manufacturers of whatever item you're selling to determine, in a scientific fashion, what the safe harbor level is. Now, if you fail to meet the criteria, or if uh, the state of California's advisory board on Prop 65 determines that your safe harbor level doesn't really meet the scientific standard, therefore uh, your, your safe harbor level does not constitute a true safe harbor level, then individuals are free to sue. It's all done outside of any type of enforcement mechanism by the state. It's done private sector. And I, working in the food industry, recognize the similarity to the Prop 65 enforcement uh, to the enforcement of the Texas law. In fact, I asked out loud uh, with some of my co-workers uh, at the food company at which I work my day job if, the left comes after this and gets this invalidated somehow, would that open the door towards ending uh, Prop 65? Now I would imagine they would simply rewrite it, go back into state uh, jurisdiction instead of leaving it private sector enforcement uh, because I don't think the people in California are going to move away from it overall. And uh, granted, I don't think there's anything so terribly wrong about listing. If you have some suspect chemicals that are part of what you're manufacturing and they can potentially be dangerous to humans, uh, then I don't have a problem with there being legitimate labeling in place. So don't get me wrong, I'm not attacking Prop 65. I'm not a big fan about how they enforce it. It seems like it's just a cash cow for certain individuals as opposed to actually being an attempt to protect the health of Californian residents. But, you know, tomato, tomato, right? So at any rate, California is no stranger to letting the private sector police some law that they have passed instead of being responsible for the uh, enforcement of said law. So while they're acting like they're going to base this on the Texas law, it's utterly ridiculous because the Texas folks, they may not have thought too much about it at the time, but they did already have a shining example of how this could work and how it would affect the private sector, and how it would actually stand as a... Um, what's a good word here? It kind of falls outside of the normal jurisdictional uh, tributes that would make it easily overturned in a court. Because it's not the state that's actually enforcing it. They just created it and allowed a enforcement mechanism to be carried out by individual citizens. So clearly... Uh, things are different than the state enforcing them i think it's a very interesting legal question myself but at any rate i think that once again gavin Newsom and all the lefties uh, out there in california are making their uh, well they're making their whiny little selves uh, be known and uh, there's no question about it. So uh, anyway, it's about the halfway point of this first hour. So let's uh, take a little bit of a break. If you guys don't go anywhere, I'll be right back after this very brief break. This is Tim Tap. wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas and hopefully a very Happy New Year. I sure
2: do like those Christmas cookies, sugar coffee.
0: I sure do like those Christmas cookies, babe. The ones that look like Santa Claus, Christmas trees and bells and stars. I sure do like those Christmas cookies, babe. I sure do like those Christmas cookies, babe.
3: Now, many want society to openly reward and hold evildoers in high esteem while feverishly working to punish those who do good. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. When I was a little boy growing up in Cleveland, my dad often instructed me about the virtues of being good and being a positive, sovereign individual in society, one who seeks to help when needed. From what I have learned about Kyle Rittenhouse, it is apparent that he was reared up by his parents with similar values. Young Kyle Rittenhouse's goal on the night that he had to defend himself from a child-raping criminal and two other thugs was to protect his friend's business from being burned to a crisp and clean graffiti off of other buildings. Unfortunately, far too many Americans now suffer from herd immunity to actual facts, combined with a willingness to openly spread lies in order to promote a sick philosophical base that is morally and intellectually destructive. Any nation, including ours, that honors thugs and condemns good citizens, is destined to collapse. Wake up, America, before it's too late. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee.
1: Ron Edwards, the new
3: voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for
2: Soldiers Veteran's Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877 for aid vet. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day.
1: so very much for staying with me through that very brief break uh, of course we had the Ron Edwards uh, notebook and the songs and stories of for soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day with Dan Perkins and uh, now we're cruising back into the next level of Tap into the Truth hope you guys are enjoying the sounds of the season and I do hope that uh, all of our Jewish friends enjoyed Hanukkah and uh, how that it has come to a close And for those of you that are celebrating Christmas, I hope you're having a very blessed and a very uh, heartfelt, warm Christmas. And uh, maybe you'll take a moment or two to uh, step outside of your normal comfort zone and uh, reach out to help those of us who are currently suffering through this horrific, tornadic activity that happened uh, this past Saturday through tennessee and kentucky kentucky was certainly hit the hardest um quick reminder uh for those of you that have not yet gotten into cryptocurrencies but you think you might want to your window is quickly running out and what i mean by that is that once everybody gets onto something it's usually too late to really get into it and be super profitable you know the the folks who would have made the most money in crypto would have been the folks that were buying uh, Bitcoin right out the gate back when you were paying next to nothing per Bitcoin. And now you see them worth uh, 60 plus thousand dollars apiece. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of money to be made. But you know what? Crypto and decentralized currency, as long as, you know, the leftist and the globalists don't get their way on the matter... Uh, they're trying to get control, they're trying to regulate it, but uh, decentralized currencies is the wave of the future, and there's certainly a lot of reason to be pro-crypto. Uh, they a great store of value, and if you are uh, still trying to learn, trying to figure out a good place to jump in, I would highly recommend uh, Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase is a platform that uh, behaves much like any other exchange Uh, You can choose from a multitude of cryptocurrencies that they have available. And uh, you can make purchases extremely easy. You can do research. And Coinbase will pay pay you to learn about cryptos. And you'll get a certain amount of crypto for free uh, by doing that. And you can then uh, convert whatever crypto you've just earned into a different crypto that you would prefer to have. If you don't want to hold on to that crypto. So a lot of great programs that go on there. But if nothing else, just go and learn about it. And sure, you can just Google and go. But I would ask a small tiny favor. Please, if it's not too much trouble, uh, go down to today's show description and uh, copy the full link that I will have posted in today's show description Paste that into your browser and uh, do your research there. Use that link so that they know I sent you. And if you sign up using that link, upon your first $100 purchase, you'll get a bonus of $10 worth of Bitcoin for free. So you have a chance to help support this show. You have a chance to learn a lot about crypto. Possibly go ahead and get into it if you haven't already and uh you get an opportunity to get some free crypto including the highly coveted bitcoin so it's kind of a win-win and you, you don't have to spend a hundred dollars at one time either for this deal uh but as soon as you do uh you'll tack on and it'll add up and then you get a chance to get that bonus at that point so there is a ton of ways to get involved and like i said all I'm really asking you to do here is to visit and do some research I, and I really right now I've seen some other wallets I've seen some other uh, folks that are getting involved with the uh, the exchange uh, level of the cryptocurrencies. I still tend to think at least of what I've seen so far that coinbase is probably the easiest one to use to uh, so you know again follow the link check it out I think it'll be worthwhile for you. Uh announcement came today, Sunday, uh, December 12th, uh, that Chris Wallace is leaving Fox News. After 18 years at Fox News, Chris Wallace has decided that uh, he wants to do something new. wants to do something different. He did make the statement that when he signed on with Fox News, before he agreed to sign on, they told him that they would never uh, question him on whoever he uh, Had on as a guest and uh, wouldn't try to interfere with the commentary portion of his shows, that he'd be free to do those things. And uh, they honored that promise. And so he was very happy, at least he says, uh, with how things go with Fox News, but he just wants to go do something different. Uh, a lot of us, for a little while now, have been kind of concerned that Chris Wallace is slowly letting his personal politics creep into ...his reporting. And I don't think anybody's surprised to find out that he's actually going to join CNN. Uh, CNN is offering some new streaming uh, service, uh, news programming. And evidently, Chris Wallace is going to be joining CNN. So, no surprise where he's going. And no surprise that he's leaving. Also today, one of the uh, CBS This Morning shows, Jill Biden was asked a question, once again, about, barely there, Beijing Biden's mental capacity. And she says the exact same thing. She uses the exact same wordage when she was asked during the campaign about his mental fitness. And she used the word ridiculous. No, no, no. Not real sure that that matters much, but what are you going to do? Jill Biden uh, tell the truth about Joe Biden's current mental status I don't think you can expect that you shouldn't expect that. What else can I say?
0: this is Tim Ta.
1: All right, I had to do the Let's Go Brandon bit because here's a Let's Go Brandon story. There was a couple of uh, stories I saw today, but I think this one is the more important one to share. Uh, Titleist is now blocking Let's Go Brandon on golf balls. They allow numerous vulgar messages on their personalized golf balls, but Let's Go Brandon is being banned. Titleist has blocked golfers from writing Let's Go Brandon on personalized golf balls, but... Vulgar messages like kill Trump are still apparently uh, hunky-dory. Now, I don't understand why this continues to be an issue. Let's Go Brandon much, much better than the original chance that Let's Go Brandon evolved from. But if you're going to allow kill Trump Uh, In other things far worse and far more vulgar, then why is Let's Go Brandon even an issue? So if you're a golfer and you really support Titleist, I'm not going to tell you to uh, boycott Titleist. I'm going to ask you, though, to uh, start a letter-writing campaign and say that if you're going to allow personalized statements on these uh, golf balls, that needs to be one of them that's permittable. I mean, you had another company that made headlines today saying that they printed 260,000 square feet of Let's Go Brandon wrapping paper. Uh, That's all for uh, this upcoming Christmas uh, holiday. Christmas presents wrapped in Let's Go Brandon wrapping paper. I I need to do the necessary research to track down who's doing that, because... I've got some folks whose Christmas gifts desperately need to be wrapped in Let's Go Brandon. <laughs> As you can imagine, not people that typically would be chanting it. But one more time, because this was the Let's Go Brandon story alert.
0: This is Tim Tapp. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's go, Brandon. All right, I, I actually probably played that a little too low, but uh, we may get to some more Let's Go Brandon stories later, and we'll we'll crank that up a little more. I didn't realize I had the volume turned down quite that low. All right, so another major story is Russia. Russia is continuing to build up their troops. Uh, every indication is they are looking. To move into the Ukraine. And of course, uh, barely there, Biden uh, really, really was firm in their video conference with Vladimir. He made it very clear to uh, Vladimir that uh, there will be stern circumstances. Well, okay, fair enough. Now, since that uh, clearly very effective video conference uh, had its desired effect, uh, where Vladimir basically just slapped at Biden and continues to build up forces uh, just along the border of the Ukraine, where literally the expectation is there's probably going to be move against the Ukraine before Christmas. Um, now the G7 has all banded together. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. The prime ministers of all the G7 nations uh, have also, along with the uh, prime uh, leader, uh, I forget the exact title. Uh, I don't guess it's that important to me. But the the primary leader of the EU, they all got together and they issued the same challenge basically: if you invade the Ukraine, Russia, there will be a a expensive a, a heavy price to be paid. Now they're talking about economic sanctions. They're talking about something that, in the mind of Vladimir, and I'm sure many of his followers, would not equal the amount of positive that would come to Russia if they once again gained control of the Ukraine. Now, such rhetoric did nothing to slow down their efforts to take over Crimea, did very little to satiate their desire to retake Georgia, It's then very little, period. So what exactly are the leaders of the G7 expecting to accomplish? I mean, this is literally on par with the diplomatic boycott... Boycott, yes. The diplomatic boycott of the upcoming Olympics. Basically, when a bunch of people that weren't invited to show up in the first place are suddenly saying, well, we're not coming... Ooh, you really hurt their feelings. And in this case, uh, are there some economic sanctions that Russia might regret if they're put in place? Maybe, but there's no indication that these people are even willing to follow through with this threat. You would like to think, yes, yes, they will. You would like to think that they might do more than that. But at the end of the day... We even have arguments here amongst conservatives about whether or not there should be uh, more forceful action taken to help prevent uh, a Russian invasion of the Ukraine. In the minds of most Americans, the Ukraine is not a nation that uh, particularly holds a place of import uh, when it comes to American interests. So there's not a strong desire to Get involved militarily. Now, I would suggest that uh, it wouldn't be necessary to get involved militarily, other than to, if it was okay with the current legitimate government of uh, Ukraine, if we just put a lot of our military folks there. You know, uh, temporarily station uh, more Americans than typically would be in this region of the world, so that there could be quick actions, and and basically posture as if we're prepared for full-blown action. I think that would be enough to at least slow the role of Vladimir Putin. I could be wrong, and if that's the case, I I don't know what you do next. Uh, Except, of course, if he fires on Americans, then I think we all know what should happen next. But I would think American military presence should be enough to, at the very least, act as a buffer and prevent a full blown invasion. I don't see a problem with doing that unless we have other very reliable intel that uh, Vladimir's going to come in no matter who's there. Which, right now, there isn't a deterrent. Half of Ukraine wants to rejoin the former Soviet Union as it is. They are very sympathetic to Russia's needs. And there is strategic reasons for wanting to have control of some of the Ukrainian ports. There's a reason why uh, Biden uh, was involved with manipulating Ukraine not that long ago, you know, back when he was a vice president of the United States. There's money to be made And there are strategic opportunities to be had by controlling some of those ports, especially if you're talking about moving energy. So, what is the solution? Economic restrictions probably isn't enough of a deterrent to keep Russia from invading. Something stronger would be necessary. But the question remains among many pundits here whether or not it's necessary for us to even be concerned. How much does Ukraine really factor into the interest of the US or the EU or anyone else globally? Well, I can give you the standard nationalist pitch of how anytime Russia gets stronger, it makes America weaker, which isn't necessarily true, but it does put America at more risk than it was the day before. That might be enough to motivate some. But at the end of the day, what does it really mean? It means one more opportunity for Russia to move oil around the world and to continue to strengthen their own coppers and to rebuild what Vladimir Putin really wants to do. He wants to rebuild the former Soviet Union. He believes he's been ordained to do so. And unfortunately for us... There's a lot of folks in that part of the world that are starting to believe that's the case. So, all I know is that threatening economic sanctions is probably about the wimpiest thing you could do. I mean, the only thing that would be weaker is if you were legitimately uh, offering to send him Rocky Road ice cream. Yeah, it's a burn because he doesn't like walnuts. Ha 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 ha. What? Yeah, okay. Uh, don't ask me to explain the mind of a leftist. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. So, geez, G7, what What is going to happen? It's not going to make a huge bit of difference in our day-to-day lives here in the United States, but it's going to affect the Ukrainians immediately. It's actually going to affect several of the G7 nations much sooner than it's going to affect us here. But it is going to affect fuel costs worldwide. You know, it'd be really good if if Russia was to invade the Ukraine. It'd be really good to be completely and totally energy independent, you know, to... You weren't at the whims of the world markets. Uh, Strange that I use that specific example. I I don't know why I picked that one. Maybe you can figure it out. It'd also be really nice to to be projecting strength on the international stage. You know, in the event that Ukraine is not the last place that uh, Vladimir looks to Advance Russian influence in such a strong fashion, because there's a really good chance that the Ukraine is not the last place that Vladimir Putin plans on advancing Russian influence in such a fashion. I mean, between the moves that Russia is making and the moves that China is making, and you know, the moves that Iran are making. I mean, Iran literally has the Biden administration begging. For them to rejoin a Iran nuclear deal. I'm sorry. Why Why are you begging? Why are you involved with helping Iran become a nuclear power? Because that's what the nuclear deal did in the first place. Oh no. It was going to stop them. But did it? Did it really? No. Was that really the plan? Uh, maybe uh, people like Jordan Curry were dumb enough to think that that was something, but uh, I think most people with a little, just a modicum of common sense and the ability to utilize critical thinking in just the tiniest capacity could very quickly see where it was advantage Iran in developing nuclear weapons. Especially when there was no mechanism in place that required actual inspections. I mean, they say there were. But were there... Were these inspections actually happening? Were there surprise inspections? What was happening during these inspections? Oh yeah, pretty sure that we were finding out that these people were up to no good. We were finding out that You couldn't just show up and have an inspection. We were finding out a lot of things. The world is a dangerous place. Right now, we're expecting Russia to make a move against Ukraine before Christmas, and we're expecting China to make a move on Taiwan after the Olympics. Because that's the scuttlebug. That's the word. That's what the intel is telling us. That's what reports from Sources who would know are telling us. The shadow cast by the withdrawal from Afghanistan continues to loom large, and it's getting darker, and it's casting further than ever before. I said from the beginning, uh, from the very moment that the Afghanistan withdrawal uh, debacle took place, that the entire world just became a less safe place for everyone, us included. In fact, there may not be a group of people more in harm's way outside of the Taiwanese, uh, the Uyghur Muslims in China, uh, and anybody Iran wants to shoot a nuclear missile out, I would imagine they'd probably start with Israel. Outside of those people that are going to face direct consequences of an immediate fashion, uh, then nobody's at bigger risk than the United States because these people know that right now, right now, they can pretty much have their way when it comes to dealing with barely there Biden. But they know that it's only a matter of time before someone else is in the White House before someone else is in control of Congress. Then it was only a matter of time before real Americans are back in charge of American policy, before they know, uh, before the adults are back in charge. The kids had their turn. They proved that, once again, leftist ideologies do not work if your ultimate goal is liberty and freedom. They just don't work. Every path to collectivism is a path towards the decay of the human spirit. it's the literal opposite of America. Now, I'm going to have to reset the hour because most of those uh, stations that rebroadcast this show do so in one hour increments. So you guys stay right where you're at. If you're here listening to the podcast, hour number two comes up right after this. Otherwise, if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, uh, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, uh, stay safe out there, stay healthy if you can, and, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your
3: nature.
0: Gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. You Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. All the unions always ask for. More. All we buy is made on foreign. Source. Come a day when there'll be real health pay I've got to bit free
1: Hello? Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And so very glad to be spending part of this Christmas holiday season with each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being here. Whether you're listening to the podcast, you know, wherever you get your podcast at, uh, chances are, uh, there's a really good possibility that you'll find us wherever you may listen. So, if you're listening some other way and decide that, you know what, I'm signed up to Stitcher.com, or I'm over here at iHeartRadio, or I'm over here uh, listening to uh, Spotify, and I'm thinking maybe I'd just like to listen to podcasts there, and I'd like to add Tap Into The Truth to my list. Guess what? You can! Uh, there are lots and lots and lots of other places that carry podcasts. Uh, you can do just the same. Every place from PodChaser to Podcast Attic to to every place, just just about everywhere. I, I don't know of any write off. You can check us out on Aha Radio. Uh, you can go just about everywhere, and you also can uh, listen uh, to the rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country. Stations like K Y A H. 5:40 a.m. that's Utah's talk authority in case you were wondering out of Delta Utah with a listening range that covers the majority of the state uh, it also includes uh, kCCG in uh, Hugo Oklahoma uh, not quite the same broadcasting power but uh, you can find them online and you can listen there so uh, glad to have uh the uh, Hugo, Oklahoma, station added as part of the Tap into the Truth broadcast family that started just this past week. Thank you guys for for being part of the very special phenomena that is Tap into the Truth. Alright, so uh, for the benefit of those of you that are listening uh, by Terrestrial Radio, by the way, this is the second hour of the live show. And uh, the original broadcast time was December the 12th, 2021. So we're doing a Sunday show. Wasn't able to do the Friday show this week because I came home and all my equipment had crashed and and, uh, almost all my files had been lost and I was literally having to piece together a lot of the file work. And uh, Because I now utilize a password manager uh, the way it's connected to everything, uh, it took me some time to get to my password manager because my password there... Uh, in order to reach it I have to log into the uh, the internet service provider and I have to to log into the platforms that I'm using to browse my browser services uh, and as a result of all of that it it took a little while so I took the biggest part of Friday evening working on that and a bigger part of Saturday uh, except of course when we were dodging uh, the severe thunderstorms that came through our part of the the, uh, the world here, uh, fortunately, uh, exactly where I was at, we only had some power outages and a little bit of flooding, uh, and very little. Uh, it was just a lot of rain and wind, mostly where we were at. Uh, nothing at all like uh, what some of our friends uh, a little bit to the north of us happened to have had to deal with. So, again, thoughts and prayers going out to the... Uh, the victims of the tornadic activity over this past weekend, especially in the state of Kentucky, which probably was hit the hardest overall. But a lot of folks saw a lot of uh, damage, and a lot of folks lost some uh, family members during this uh, throughout Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Indiana. Uh, So uh, again, uh, every last one of you personally affected, uh, thoughts and prayers are with you. And remember, Uh, Take this opportunity to lean on your friends and neighbors, especially those of us uh, that were outside of the brunt of this storm. We're here to help, and uh, we'll be more than happy to do what we can. Uh, Just let us know. All right, so uh, even with all that going on, uh, here we are. I was fortunate enough to join Ron Edwards uh, earlier on his show, The Ron Edwards American Experience. I sat through uh, two segments with him. One of the segments went a little longer than the norm as well. Uh, You know, we got into conversations, and uh, it's hard sometimes not to to run a little long. Uh, And so we did that. I I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Ron's producer had told me that I would just be on for one segment uh, today. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, thought maybe Ron might have had a, another guest signed on, too, or something like that. He's like, nope, uh, that's just what Ron said. And I was like, okay, well, he may be fired up about one of his topics today and wants to use some extra time. But uh, as it turned out, uh, we came to the end of the first segment I was on. He was like, ah, uh, you mind coming back uh, for another segment? And sure enough, uh, we did, and I had good conversation. So thank you, Ron. Once again, for inviting me on your show, it's a great honor uh, to me. I I can't I can't accurately express how honored I truly am and how humbled I am every time that you ask me to be on and and now that you've uh, got me coming on pretty much every Sunday, uh, that uh, that's even more humbling. So thank you, sir. Uh, now, uh, what do you say we actually get to some I don't know political discussion because that's kind of the Kind of the reason we're here, right? All right, so um, today being Sunday, a lot of folks are out there making the rounds on the Sunday morning talk shows and they're having their discussions, uh, so on and so forth. And one of the uh, one of the bigwigs on the Republican side of the Senate uh, made a point on a couple of different shows to really try to give an accurate portrayal of what the uh, Build Back Better program is really going to be about. Now, uh, a lot of folks have good reason to kind of be upset with Joe Biden, uh, and in particular some of the late-night talk show hosts. Uh, I'm looking at you, Jimmy. Uh, we uh, we had some softball questions thrown at him, and, and Biden was allowed to lie again. He was allowed to tell the lie that Build Back Better is paid for. yes, it's paid for. It's paid for by raising taxes and using the political uh, accounting trickery of saying, well, we're going to uh, sunset this at this point. We're going to cut it off right at the point where uh, suddenly we have to tell the truth about it, that it's going to cost you, the American taxpayer, more. So there's a lot of unreal information in these accounting tricks. Elon Musk this past week uh, tweeted out uh, in an effort. Elon Musk is fighting uh, in his own way against the Build Back Better program. I, as someone who's written a lot of articles in the past focused on Elon Musk and how he's been bad for America in a lot of ways, I have to admit that he is quickly becoming uh, somebody that I can uh, report positively about. Well, he's been pushing back, and he reminded Americans of a a quote that predates Elon, but is 100% correct, and that is, there is nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. Once these things come to be, it takes more than just an act of Congress to make them go away. You can put any sunset clause in that you want to, it's not going to change much. But John Bassario, a Republican from Wyoming, uh, he happens to be the chairman of the Senate Republicans. He warned during multiple interviews that Joe Biden's massive social spending agenda would cause Americans to pay more for a lot of things uh, as inflation goes up and then taxes uh, will necessarily go up. In fact, uh, in a lot of ways, you can consider this round of inflation as being a uh, unofficial tax because it is the direct result of the programs and policies that Biden has put in place. Now, Biden may not be the one pulling the strings. I've said that a bunch of times. There are people behind Biden uh, as he's just uh, getting his pudding and his ice cream. Uh, There are people that are putting these words into his mouth and the pen into his hand and tell him to scribble his name on a piece of paper that he has no idea what it says. That happens more often than not. Way more often than should. But... No matter how you put it, Biden is still the one ultimately responsible. The buck stops with Biden, whether he likes it or not. Anyway, Massario said, quote, I look at this, this will break the back of the American people with taxes, with spending, with all the mandates. People will end up paying more for just about everything. It will make inflation worse. Taxes will go up. All of the tax experts will tell us that at least a third of middle America will pay a lot more in taxes. And the impact of inflation on people's lives now, whether you want to call it a hidden tax or not, people's paychecks are not keeping up. People are hurting. And it's the Biden policies that have made it worse. So, yeah, glad to see somebody's going out here and telling folks that. The problem is, he's only getting to say this on Fox. Now, Newsmax would let him on to say it too, I'm sure. Uh, uh, One America News would have him on to say it. But you're not going to get him, uh, have the green light to go say this on CNN. Chris Wallace, who's now going to CNN, he's not going to invite the good senator on and let him say that over on CNN it's not going to happen MSNBC going to talk about this no they're still telling you the story that it's paid for it's not going to cost Americans one red cent and actually they can sleep at night with a clear conscience because they know it's going to cost a whole lot of dollars uh, not a single red cent a whole lot of dollars A lot of dollars. In these interviews, he pointed out that we now have a 40-year high in inflation. Now, that's the kind of record-breaking, especially in the holiday season, that no administration should be proud of and that every administration should be working to remedy. The problem is, it's not a bug. It is the feature. What, what do you mean by that, Tim? Well, obviously what I mean is the idea is to devalue the dollar. The idea is to try to move the dollar from being the international standard for currency. The idea is to continue to take the United States of America down a notch. After all, how dare America believe this it's exceptional? How dare any American believe that somehow things are better here than anywhere else in the world. That that we should have it better than anywhere else here in the world. Even though we are the innovators. We are the advancers of science. We are, or at least we were, the United States of freaking America, baby. I'm talking America. I'm talking about Detroit when it was a jewel of industrialization and advancement. Now, fast forward 50 years or so after complete and total democratic rule, it looks like a war-torn city somewhere in Eastern Europe. It looks that way not because not because Detroit couldn't have stayed on top of innovation and industry. But because democratic policies do this to wherever they go. Period in a discussion. Uh, oh 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 no, not a period. You you wanna you wanna check on that? Then do your research. Do your homework. Now if you're a regular listener of the show, I know that you already know many examples. I don't have to pull any of them out of my hat here and say, Well there was Venezuela, oh there was Cuba Oh, there was, well, there was Detroit. What does the fall of Detroit from a jewel of a city have to do with becoming what it is today? Democratic policies. What does Detroit have in common with San Francisco and Los Angeles and Chicago? These were all great cities. Some of the most beautiful cities on the planet... And now many of them much more closely resemble a third world crap hole, uh, at least during large swaths of the city. All because of leftist policies instituted by Democrats elected on the promise of doing exactly that. Only they say we're going to help people instead of saying, well, we're actually going to destroy your city. We're gonna take everything that's great about your city, and turn it on its ear, and turn it into a crap hole. We're gonna let homeless people uh, run wild. We're gonna let crime get out of control. We're gonna we're gonna tell police they can't do their jobs at first, and then we're gonna tell police that they don't have jobs because we're, they're not allowed to do them. We're gonna we're gonna cancel the police. If any of them don't realize they've been canceled, they keep trying to do the job. Or we're gonna defund them so that they don't have the tools the capability to police the communities these are the things we're going to do this is what we're really promising but we're going to make it sound pleasant like we're going to find a positive way to deal with homelessness in our community they don't really find a positive way they just try to sound like well we're trying to be more humane there's nothing humane about letting mentally ill people continue to live on the streets there's nothing humane about allowing people to defecate in the streets where other taxpaying citizens are trying to travel. There is nothing humane about any of these policies, but they just make them sound so pretty, don't they? Well, the good senator continued, important to add to this part of the discussion, continued by saying that the true cost of the Build Back Better Act, when you get rid of the accounting gimmicks, we're talking close to uh, $5 trillion. The $3 trillion added to the debt. Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema are going to have a lot to say with this, about this. But uh, you talked about these temporary programs... And you remember Milton Friedman said that there's nothing so permanent as a temporary government program? Once they get in there, they stay forever. So that's, that's the discussion. I don't normally deal with one senator's conversations that makes the argument for... But I wanted to make sure that everyone had a chance to hear this. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that there are people that acknowledge the truth. There are people out there who know firsthand whose jobs, whose responsibility it is to write legislation, to understand how legislation and official executive branch policy affects the country at large. There is a reason why it took less than four months for us to go from, uh, us being the United States of America, for us to go from being completely and totally energy independent to once again having $3 or more cost at the gas pump. I mean, we literally were getting close to under a dollar in a lot of parts of the country. A lot of the, a lot of sections of the country, we were doing quite nicely, being completely and totally energy independent. The key, the success, for a civilization, is cheap, reliable energy. The cheaper and more reliable your sources of energy are, the more successful you can be at elevating your standards of living and elevating the circumstances of all your citizens so that what passes for poverty in the United States of America is still among the top 10 richest levels when it comes to looking at the rest of the world. And that's a terrible, terrible truth that so many in in this country not don't even know, they're not even aware of, let alone acknowledge. And the folks who do know it, they don't want to acknowledge it either because uh, nobody who thinks that they're poor wants to be told, but not really. You're not really poor. You want to see poor? Let's go visit some African nations. Let's go visit some folks that literally spend their day uh, trying to forage for food And uh, after prime foraging time is over, the last place they go look is in the local dumps. Trying to find what someone else has thrown out that might still be salvageable to some degree. Barely have a roof, barely have walls standing, do not have a floor. Let's, Let's talk about what actually constitutes being poor on the world stage. Here in the United States of America, we have it so much better than almost any place else on earth, and we still refuse to acknowledge the reason we have it better isn't because we're imperialistic. It isn't because we are oppressing others. It's because we are innovators that believe in liberty and freedom. We're innovators that believe in private property and rights to that private property. Uh, We believe in allowing someone to keep the fruits of their labor, and then determine for themselves how they spend it. Yes, these are the beliefs, the principles, the foundational principles that lead to actual liberty and actual freedom. And it leads to a nation whose poorest individuals still rank in the top 10 of richest in the world. The top 10%. That's a beautiful place to be, and that's a beautiful statement to make. There's a lot of other countries out there. There's a lot of European countries, Western European countries, that would love to be able to make the same claim. They can't. So when it comes to these democratic policies, when it comes to inflation continuing to shoot through the roof, when it comes to trying to push this build back better BS bovine excrement, there's only one thing that I can say this is tim chap hey let's go brandon hey let's go,
3: let's hey go, let, 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 let's
1: go brandon let's go brandon you know what they say oh hey. let's go brandon okay i can say a lot more than that but let's go brandon really does seem to sum it up quite well <sighs> okay so there we are okay we've got this going on and we've got some people that are trying to tell the truth. So here's your homework assignment today from me. And I'm asking you to actually take action. Uh, let's share the actual information about Build Back Better as it currently exists. Let's make sure people know better than what CNN is trying to tell them, than what MSNBC is trying to tell them, what the Biden administration is trying to tell them. Let's let them know the truth. Let's end the bald-faced lies about Build Back Better and tell the truth. That there is nothing in Build Back Better that's actually about building anything well. That it is nothing more than a way to increase the national debt, increase inflation, and continue to drive prices up at a time when Americans are already suffering. Because the whole point is, I'll say it again, to take America down a notch. Or in this case, two or three notches. That's the goal. We're The only thing that's more disastrous than Joe Biden's uh, freaking domestic policy is his international policy. And it's been one disaster after another. I mean, in the first ten months of his presidency, Joe Biden has managed to surpass Jimmy Carter as far as being worst president of all time. Now, there were some arguable statements about where Barack Obama should fall under that category. Now, did Barack ever actually surpass Jimmy Carter? I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of things he did that was bad, but was it actually worse than Carter uh, as far as the international stage? I'm actually going to say yes. Uh, Actually, Barack Obama was worse than Jimmy Carter. Because Barack Obama, in fact, uh, was behind the Arab Spring. He was all about the Arab Spring. He helped to support the Arab Spring. And then he wanted to lie about things that happened in Benghazi. So, between all that and Operation Fast and Furious and quite a few other things, uh, and what makes uh, there even a debate, however, is the fact that a lot of what Barack Obama did that was wrong, that was bad, that was terrible... Uh, as being a President of the United States and a Commander-in-Chief, was still intentional. Barack knew exactly what he was doing when he did it. He meant to cause the harm that he caused. In fact, he was trying to cause more harm than was caused. He had the agenda. He still just, America wasn't ready to look the other way and let him go as far as he wanted to go. And he kind of felt the winds of the political... Uh, Uh, ocean tides and currents, and he knew better. So he's smart enough to do it. The thing here is, uh, Jimmy Carter, he didn't mean to do the things that made him one of the worst, and up until Obama, clearly the worst president of all times. So I tend to calculate in, does it make you worse if you weren't trying to mess it up? And in that case... There is that kind of, okay, so which one really is worse? Somebody who's intentionally trying to do things terrible? Or someone who's just doing things horrible, even though that's not their intention? Which one makes you worse at your job? Because while Barack was really bad at being president of the United States because he didn't put America first, he was trying to do all the things that he did. So he was actually pretty successful. He's pretty effective. He was pretty good at what he thought the job was supposed to be, destroy the country. And so, Jimmy Carter was trying to be a good president. He was trying to be a good guy. And uh, in fact, Jimmy Carter was uh, the uh, epitome of a nice guy. You know, other than a few statements he makes here and there since he's gotten older and still is, uh, he's moved from his usual cordial Georgian self to being. A hardliner for the party, almost. Uh, From where he used to be, he's a lot colder, a lot crueler, a lot meaner. But he was a good guy. Trying to do good things. He just so happened to be a Democrat who was really feeling the wrath as the Democratic Party was first starting to feel the control factor... Of the globalist elitist. They're really starting to to reveal themselves. And he was a victim of those policies. He had people that he trusted telling him that uh, he needed to do these things. And what happened? Well, Iran went off the wheels, didn't it? Could you imagine how different the world stage would be, at least in the Middle East, if Jimmy Carter hadn't been president, if, if we hadn't taken on those policies that allowed for the overthrow of the Shah in Iran? Now, a lot of people are going to say, historically, Tim, and you know this to be true, that uh, the Shah being overthrown wasn't uh, to do uh, with America. In fact, if anything, it was American and uh, Western European policies that led to the uprising that caused them to cast out uh, the Shah. And had Jimmy Carter been president sooner, maybe it would have never got to that. Yeah, I I know people are going to say that. And I know uh, legitimately you can make an argument for what would have happened, historically speaking. But I tend to think that it's pretty clear that when America is at her strongest internationally, uh, people don't go taking over American embassies and holding American citizens hostage. That would have never happened nor would they have attempted to overthrow the Shah, uh, knowing that the Shah was uh, a close ally with the United States and that the United States would consider uh, the Shah's overthrow to be an attack on America the same as if they had, I don't know, taken over an embassy and taken American citizens hostage. Oh, wait. All right, so, again, a debate to be concluded at another time. In the meanwhile, it is... Uh, roughly about the halfway point of this second hour so you guys stay right where you're at and uh, we will be back on the other side of this very brief break this is Tim Tap, wishing you and yours a very merry Christmas, a very happy new year we wish you the
0: merriest the merriest the merriest, yes the merriest we wish you the merriest the merriest, the merriest you cheer. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year.
3: The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy public trial. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. The penalty for trespassing on government property like the United States Capitol Building is six months in jail, plus $1,000 maximum penalty. Yet, Americans who went into the U.S. Capitol Building on January 6th have been detained for more than ten months. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and five other representatives have discovered that those still locked up have possibly been physically abused and in some cases denied medical care. Allegedly, authorities are committing misprison of felony by knowing about certain individuals being put in solitary confinement before being indicted. I urge you to join me in contacting our representatives now and demand the January 6 Americans be released today. Thank you, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, for checking in on those still locked up while the Biden regime abuses this entire republic every single day. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup.
1: Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
3: Some men aren't looking for anything logical. Like money.
2: They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.
3: Yes, some men just want to watch the world burn.
1: Uh, One of my favorite lines from The Dark Knight, and it is uh, all so true, I uh, really don't know any other way to put it. But here we are in the middle of the Christmas holiday. So, going to put a little Christmas tunage in the background as we come back from break. So thank you very much for staying with me through that very brief break. As we try to stop those individuals who simply want to watch the world burn in our effort to save our constitutionally federated republic from those who would do it and all of us harm. At, you might have noticed it was a little disconjointed there. I, I was looking for my candy bar. I, I was trying to grab a quick bite from my candy bar. Um, I, I still haven't found it. I set it. I know I set it down. It slid down uh, while I was moving some papers a little while ago, and, and uh, it's it just kind of slipped away from me. Uh, what candy bar? You may be talking. About? Well, technically, it's a protein bar. Uh, technically, we're talking about built bar. Uh, Built Bar is one of the greatest products out there that is affiliated right now with Tapping to the Truth. So what I want you to do, or I should say we're affiliated with them, uh, what I'd like for you to do is look down in today's show description if you're listening to the podcast and copy the entire link. Don't leave any of it out. I mean, the link will work to it degree without the whole thing, but it won't let them know it's me. So, you copy the whole link, you put it in that browser, uh, then you uh, you go visit Built Bar, you see everything they've got to offer. Uh, a lot of great stuff. I mean, they, they still say that they're a freaking protein bar, but they're not fooling me. Protein bars taste like cardboard. These things are candy bars. I, I, and I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that there's got to be more sugar in it than what they say. Otherwise, it couldn't taste so good. Okay, decide for yourself by checking out Built Bar. Follow the link and uh, make a purchase today. And again, I'm asking you to use that link so that they know I sent you. So that you get something that's really awesome. That will help you uh, maintain as we get closer to those holiday meals with family that are upcoming. And you get a chance to help out the show. And uh, that way it's really a win-win for everybody, myself included. Uh, And so, you know, a small favor. Small favor. That's all I'm asking. Okay, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen, as far as that's concerned. But we are not done with the news. Not just yet. And, you know, the thing about the weekend is that there's not always a whole lot of news to get to. You do typically have the Friday news dump where they're hoping nobody's paying attention over the weekend. But after you get past that, uh, there's really just rehashing what's happened in the week before. That's what Sundays, uh, especially Sunday morning talk shows and news shows, were typically have been about. Rehashing the things that have happened in the past week. So in the past week, we got a verdict in the Juicy Smollet uh, <laughs> hearing. Uh, guilty. Uh, five out of six charges. Guilty, guilty, guilty. So rest assured, America... The individual who attacked Jussie Smollet is going to face consequences, has been found guilty, uh, may even end up with some prison time. I personally don't think we're going to see much in the way of prison time. I think he's probably going to get probation or something. Uh, I don't know that uh, Jesse is actually going to do particularly well in prison if he was to go. Uh, Part of me says send him. I would like to see him there because I would like to see, uh, you know, just the whole equal justice thing play out. He is a celebrity. And the sad part is, is he actually is kind of talented. He could have been a star, especially given the low bar set for stars these days in Hollywood. Uh, He definitely is capable of dancing. He can sing. Um, His acting was passable on Empire, um, not so much in the court. Still can't believe he went and uh, testified. Uh, Some of the jurors have come out in the last couple of days. As I'm over here tearing down my studio, uh, (laughs) some of the jurors have come out in the last couple of days and made it clear that not only did they know that he was lying to them, but uh, that's part of the reason why they uh, f- just came back so quickly is that he had the nerve to sit there in that box and lie to them to their faces because it was clear. he was lying. They, they could see right through him. Now, obviously, uh, Jesse needs to get back and uh, take some more acting classes, get some more coaching because it didn't work out. But Jesse honestly believed, I have no doubt in, in his heart, He honestly believed that he could do the acting job, that he could reach the jury, that he could bring them to feeling for him, the the sympathy of a gay black man in America. But really, all you've done is you've set back all the legitimate attacks on gay people and black people in this country uh, and, and taking them seriously. You set that back a long way, Jesse. And that's a shame. Because I'm somebody, and I'm sure a lot of lefties, if they hear this, are going to be really surprised. But I'm somebody that honestly believes that if an act of violence is perpetrated against somebody just because of the color of their skin or just because of their sexual orientation, that they should face the consequences for that violence, period. Of course, I believe that if somebody commits a level of violence and it's not justified through self-defense, they should face consequences anyway. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm not a big fan of the idea of hate crimes. Because I, I think either something's a crime or not, and uh, you don't have to try to further assuage an additional motivation for said crime. You just have to say, okay, you committed this crime, it's terrible, you're over it, it's done. You're going to face the consequences. That should be okay. That should be enough. Ah, oh, not according to the left. We, we need additional crimes. We need additional criminality. But I would love to point out that we have such a shortage of this type of a hate crime, even in a year where hate crimes have shot up to record levels, mostly against Asians and Jews, mostly perpetrated by black Americans, uh, part of the narrative that they really don't want you to know, but we are living in a country where the level of hate crimes perpetrated against gay people and perpetrated against blacks are so low that they're literally having to fabricate them to, to get some news time. Just another example of how things are actually pretty and good here in the United States of America. Nowhere's near the bad they would have you believe. Now, part of the bad that does exist, however, is complete and total inefficiency in our government. Came across a story that exemplifies that pretty well and also involves education. So I uh, thought it would be pretty important to share with you guys today. The headline reads Maryland spent 93 million dollars educating kids who weren't in school. Now, at first, you might be tempted to think just from the headline, well, are they talking about spending for uh, distance learning because of COVID? No, that's not what we're talking about here. Boys and girls, hold on to your socks. think you're going to get a kick out of this one. Maryland has spent nearly $93 million to educate children who had not been attending classes. Now, Project Baltimore, the investigative journalism arm of Fox 45 Baltimore, discovered that thousands of students had been marked whereabouts unknown by the schools. The outlet then identified several ghost students whose name appeared on the rosters even after they had stopped pursuing public education, which, of course, can boost the amount of money a school district receives. I'm sure that's just a coincidence, though. I'm sure that it's just... Uh, an oversight. I, the school system wouldn't be creating ghost students for such a purpose. that That's absurd, Tim. How dare you even utter that, because now you're going to try to make somebody think that's what was happening, just by saying it. Bad, Tim. Again, I'm a commentator, not a journalist. I'm allowed to be bad. <laughs> okay. So in 2019, there were 6,126 such students. In the same year, Maryland schools received an average of $15,148 per student, meaning that up to $92,796,684 in education dollars could not be found. The fact... Uh, quoting here the fact that we're funding students whose whereabouts are unknown and not a small number thousands and it adds up to tens of millions of dollars that's something that needs to be looked at this from the Maryland comptroller peter Frankston, who just happens to be running for governor uh, as a democrat what a what a surprise he suggested Tying funds to attendance, which would prompt schools to keep students in class. Uh, except it might also prompt schools that are perfectly willing to pretend like students are on the rosters even though they're not there to maybe uh, not notice when they check their attendance if they're there. Just saying, uh, that's a possible thing that might happen. You know, in the event that. A school in particular might have some dishonest actors I, very rare i'm sure very rare wouldn't wouldn't happen to the extent that you might have nearly a hundred million dollars worth of taxpayer dollars being wasted on education uh, uh going to districts where you know the students aren't actually attending not that something like that would happen or would add up like just just again i am I being bad. So this guy honestly believes that changing it to tying it to attendance would make a difference. And, and it might, as long as they're keeping accurate attendance records. I get that. I'm okay with that, actually, to a degree. But here's the thing. I, I, I really don't think that the Maryland school system or any other state's public school system is accurately utilizing the dollars that have been allotted to them as it is. So rather than saying that every student is worth X amount of dollars to the system, and now you're going to have to find some other way to fraudulently claim that students are there who aren't, maybe we should try refocusing on what education is supposed to be. Maybe we can take a long, hard look and uh, see if we can't wake up some of these Democrats uh, to the reality that uh, parents are no longer willing to allow you to teach racial essentialism not in public schools. Now, for those of you not familiar with the term, racial essentialism is essentially the the primary basis of critical race theory. And while they don't teach critical race theory proper in most public school settings, they are teaching, at least to some extent, some level of racial essentialism. So uh, lots of times we conservatives have used the shorthand of CTR or critical race theory or critical race training, I've heard some people say, uh, as the short term abbreviated for the racial essentialism. Because racial essentialism, if you don't know what we're talking about, it sounds, you know, kind of highfalutin, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. It, It certainly seems a little ambiguous at best but it is the basis for critical race theory. It is what's being taught and why so many leftist politicians can say with a clear conscience, we're not teaching critical race theory because that is actually a very specific thing that's typically, or at least historically, has only been taught in uh, college-level legal classes. But its basis is still that essentialism. Now, with that being said... Uh, A lot of Democrats were hoping that uh, the parents that they got really angry in Virginia uh, would kind of quieten down and that that their fears of continuing riled up parents would come to an end and that they could get back to the business of teaching their leftist agenda of racial essentialism. Except now they have another reason to be concerned that maybe that's not going to be the case. Another reason to be very concerned that maybe the 2022 midterm elections is going to be... How was it the Dems put the Virginia state elections? Oh, yeah, a bloodbath. Democrats are not likely to fare well because they're continuing to double, triple, quadruple down on the policies that raise the ire of mothers in this country. And as... Anybody should know, if you come from a uh, even semi-normal family, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And the Democrats managed to get mothers in the state of Virginia coming after them because of how they were treating their children. You made the wrong folks mad. And even a mother that typically votes Democrat is going to say, oh, not to my kid when you start messing around with them. When you start making children, when you start making five-year-olds come home and ask their parents, Mommy, am I evil because I'm white? When you start doing that, you're going to get the end of the stick that's covered in matter that you do not want on your hands. When you continue shoveling grade A bovine excrement all over the schools. Eventually, some of that excrement is coming right back on you. And how? How is it that I know that this issue hasn't went away? Because we haven't heard a news story in a while from Loudoun County, Virginia. Things seem to be settling down there a bit. Now, don't count on it. There's going to be more stories coming in as more of these court cases come down, and we'll get to talk about it more. But... When you look at some place that is the bluest of the blue, like, I don't know, let's say Houston, Texas. Now, Texas on whole is still a pretty red state, but Houston is a blue, uh, it it is a stronghold. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. It's a stronghold for democratic activity. There's a couple of places, uh, Austin, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, those areas, heavy blue. Well, elections for school board took place just yesterday. on um, it didn't fare well for those folks, especially the the locals uh, incumbents that were in runoff elections to try and hold their positions. It didn't fare well for the folks that are uh, team racial essentialism. Those folks, they got removed. And there's a continued effort across the country to remove people from positions of import when it comes to education and a concerted effort to remove these important positions, uh, move the people out of them if they are pro-racial essentialism, if they're pro-critical race theory, if they're pro-1619 project. Because all of these things lead to falsehoods and misconceptions. All of these things lead to an unnatural and unnecessary division between the American people themselves. It's not appropriate to try and teach a white child that they are an oppressor by virtue of their skin tone. And it's not appropriate to teach a child that is not Caucasian That they are the oppressed because of their skin color. And oh yeah, don't you dare go over there and try to be friendly with the white kids because they're the ones that are oppressing you. That's the complete antithesis of what America is about. It's the complete opposite of the messaging that our education system should be teaching young children growing up. They should be being taught that... In America, you have an equal opportunity. Now, there may be more obstacles in your way than in the way of little Jenny over there as you both try to move up because maybe Jenny's part of a rich family. So they have the ability to sidestep a lot of the obstacles that you may face. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're black, brown, yellow, red, fuchsia with pink polka dots, none of that matters. What matters is the effort you put in and what you're willing to do, how much work you're willing to put in. Are you going to fail here in the United States of America? Yes, you very well might. Because the freedom to pursue your happiness means that you have the freedom to make your own mistakes. And sometimes the best teacher is failure. But failures will come if you're trying to do something on your own. The real difference is how you choose to pick yourself up, what you choose to do next, how much effort you put in. If you just give up after a failure, then guess what? If you're not taking that same energy and finding a new project, then you're just a quitter. And quitters can't expect to win, and you shouldn't expect to have the same result as somebody else who stayed at it. The entrepreneurial spirit is little more than just a stick-to-itiveness that most people don't have. Lots of people can push and fight and strive and then face failure after failure and they find a way to dig deep and to continue on. That's how you know they've got that same spirit. Not everyone's cut out to achieve the dream that they have. But that doesn't mean you can't still be successful in something that you're good at and that you might enjoy. It's a question of you finding what makes you happy and finding how to make that pay for you. Not everyone's cut out to be their own boss. Not everyone has that same gumption. Some of you, some of you barely have enough gumption to show up for a job, period. Period. Sadly, that's the state of the Biden economy. With Biden bucks freely available, uh, causing inflation and destroying our nation, uh, a lot of folks have been allowed to be lazier than ever before. That's not a good thing. But the Democrats will try to tell you it's a good thing, again, because their agenda is to crush the human spirit. Their agenda is to decay you from the inside with how you feel about yourself and then thereby how you feel about everyone else around you. Because if you don't have some monicum of self-respect, how can you be expected to respect others? How can you be expected to hold your head up high and be proud to be an American citizen if you've been led to believe that American citizenship's a bad thing? That all the institutions of this country must be brought down, must be torn down, must be burnt down, because it's all based on racism, which is a bald-faced lie. On its face, It is a lie. America was based on a set of core principles that inevitably, while we didn't always live up to the promises that they would offer, they still led to the ending of every bad thing, like slavery, as they moved forward. Did it happen instantly? No. And again, as long as humans are in control of the levers of power, the system can only do so much good at one time. But the point is, it still comes back to the difference between uh, institutional racism and just individual corruption. And that's a point I keep trying to make. And that's a distinction that once you understand it, you can then go on to say that the system itself, the institutions that were built, were put in place to end racism. They were put in place to end inequalities uh, based on identical circumstances, But that's the key. The circumstances have to be identical before you can start saying, why did this person achieve and this person didn't? Sometimes it is just dumb luck. Sometimes you're looking at an apple and a banana and you're trying to figure out why neither one of them did the same thing that the orange did. When you're trying to make those comparisons, uh, it can be easy to get confused and lost in the minutia and sound like they're making a really good point, but at the end of the day, they are wrong. And you're wrong for not calling them out on it. And that's where we need to leave things at today. Ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you so very much for being with me today. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm going to ask you once again, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile... Stay safe out there and stay healthy if you can. And remember, be smart, guys, even if it goes against your nature. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap into the Truth, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas and hopefully a very happy new year.
0: Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street. Say hello to friends you know and everyone you know.